0: Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 507. Welcome in. We're going to talk all about NFL week three today. We'll talk about college football week four. And what a glorious weekend of football it was! We learned a lot about quarterbacks this weekend. There are two college quarterbacks that I walked away going, Hey, I knew about one of them, one kid I knew, and I've been waiting for him to, like, figure it out, or or maybe not. And the second quarterback from college football that stood out to me this weekend, we'll talk about him at the end of the show. Oh, my goodness, there's this guy who I'd heard of before, but I, I just hadn't been paying attention. Um, I went to Washington State once upon a time. Their quarterback grabbed my attention, and I was like, wow, I think it's because I'm actually— I went to Washington State, so I'm a bit biased towards them, to be totally honest. I, or, or Sorry, biased against them. I never believe in Washington State. I, I went there. They think they're all this. And I'm like, dude, you, you guys are a tiny little dinky Pac-12 school. I always downplay how good they are. Uh, and their quarterback blew me away. We'll talk about that later down the road. Um, I got to say this before we get into the show. It's fall. The leaves are changing it's cooling off a lot. It's much more comfortable to record in the pod in, in the truck. The podcasting pickup temperature-wise, it's about the same outside as it is inside. That's a first recording in the the truck. I you know I've been recording at night often as much as I can because it's cooler at night. Today it's a bit brisk, it's a bit cold, and uh, the sun is warming up the truck to a level that's not blistering and horrible. So I don't think I think by the end of today's episode, you won't see a guy sweaty drenched in sweat who's, like, been recording in a truck that's baked by the sun today. Anyway, uh, let's jump in. During NFL Week 3, during NFL Week 3, Miami beat Buffalo 21-19. to 19. Oh, my goodness. It was a crazy win. I kind of can't believe Miami pulled it off. I was hoping they would. Not that against Buffalo. I love Buffalo. I, big fan of the, Josh Allen. Big fan of the Bills. I think they're still a Super Bowl favorite. Um... But Miami's an underdog. They're a team that's trying to be good, and I love their quarterback, Tua. they got a first-time head coach. I, frankly, was kind of rooting for them, but I didn't expect them to win this game. Now we're living in a crazy reality where Miami's 3-0. They've beat Bill Belichick, the Patriots. They've beat the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. And now Miami, he's beat Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. 3-0 is one thing. Last year, everyone's talking about it. Remember, the Carolina Panthers were 3-0 last year. Don't read into it too much. Okay, but this isn't 3-0 against crappy teams. This is 3-0 against Belichick, Lamar Jackson, the Bills. I mean, these are big, massive, massive wins. And I walk away as someone who just, I root for the people in Miami. I love Mike McDaniel. I want him to succeed. I love Tua. I'm a huge fan of him. It makes me incredibly hopeful. I'm like, OK, they've won three games in, in many different ways. They were ahead. You know, they, they beat New England 20 to 7. They came back week two to overcome adversity and beat the Ravens. You know, two other quarterback had six touchdowns. I thought week three, uh, the defense held Josh Allen to 19 points. That was very surprising to me. The defense came through in a big way week three. This was a total team win. And I have to acknowledge, you know, I'm excited as a fan of Tua and Mike McDaniel, but I have to acknowledge, I mean, Miami got some help. Buffalo is missing their two starting safeties. Uh, Jordan Poyer was out hurt. Micah Hyde is out for the year with a neck injury. So missing both of your starting safeties against what I would call the best receiver duo in the NFL, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, that's a big deal. That's going to hurt you. That's going to make your life much more difficult on defense. Uh, Buffalo also missed a field goal. Not to mention, I mean, you got to say this, Bill's linebacker, Mike Milano, or Matt Milano, excuse me, dropped what would have been a pick six. Tua threw the ball right at him. Matt Milano dropped it. Uh, Buffalo was banged up, man. This was not a team at full strength, and I, I, I'm curious how this game would go if both their safeties were healthy, if they weren't as injured, if uh, things had gone slightly differently. But I think regardless, you walk away... If you're Miami going, hey, this is a huge win. I mean, it doesn't matter how you win. And Micah Hyde is out for the year. He's not coming back. So, uh, you know, next time when they play each other again, I believe it's week 13, they're still going to be down to safety, even if Jordan Poyer can come back. So I walked away with a lot of confidence that, wow, um, some of the tough games ahead for Miami, they not only can win, they have won tough games before. And the five games ahead that I'm interested in, uh, you know, they do, it is, uh, Week 14, week 15 is Buffalo. So Buffalo week 15, there's a gauntlet from week 14, 15, and 16. They play uh, the Chargers at LA. They play at Buffalo in December. That's a brutal game for Miami. Going from Miami, Florida to Buffalo, New York, the lake effect against one of the best teams in the NFL who's used to that climate. That's going to be a brutal game week 16 for Miami at uh, at Buffalo, in December, week 16, they play Green Bay and Miami. That's still going to be a tough game. Aaron Rodgers against Tua. That sounds like fun. I would also tack on Cincinnati, they're 1-2. They had an ugly start to the year, but they can still score a lot of points in a hurry. I think that's a fun matchup between, you know, they play at Cincinnati on Thursday night coming up. Cincinnati's wearing the all-white uniforms. That'll be interesting. Uh, week 6 is at Minnesota. That's another team that's got a good receiving core. They can score a lot of points in a hurry. So, um, Cincinnati, Minnesota, L.A., Buffalo and Green Bay or the five games left. I'm like, man, these are still tough wins for Miami. But we know now they can pull it off. Like Miami can win a tough game against a really good quarterback and a great football team. And look, Miami's in a great spot because not only are they 3-0, they've got other than those five games, their schedule is winnable, man. I look at their schedule and I go, Miami's going to win a lot of football games this year. And Mike McDaniel, their new head coach, looks like a genius hire. The Tyreek Hill trade is a home run absolutely We're only three weeks in, but if you're a fan of the Miami Dolphins, I I think you have to feel, a fan of Miami has to feel the best they've felt in years and years and years. Like Things are on the up and up for the Miami Dolphins. By the way, if you haven't seen it, uh, you should look up the video of Ken Dorsey mad after Buffalo ran out of time and couldn't spike the ball at the end of regulation. He just freaks out, destroys his tablet. Shout out to the guy. Someone uh, covered the camera after a little bit. One of the staffers for Buffalo. Heads up play there. Didn't quite get early enough, but good move to cover the camera. Uh, And if you're a Miami fan, you would recognize the name Ken Dorsey, the guy who's now the Bills offensive coordinator. He played quarterback at the U, the U of Miami. He was a two-time Heisman finalist. So that guy in a city he knows well, brutal loss, really pissed after losing to Miami. Not happy at all in Buffalo loss. And I just walk away, man. Miami has got to be on top of the world. They're 3-0. It's working out for their quarterback. They're winning games. Three massive victories against really tough opponents that are formidable. And if you told me Miami would start the year 3-0 against Josh Allen, Bill Belichick, and Lamar Jackson, I'd go, I'm hopeful, man. I want things to go well. I'm not sure I would have believed that, though. If you told me that in August, I'd be like, Sounds like wishful thinking. So as a person rooting for Miami, uh, again, not because I'm a Dolphins fan, I love Tua. I love Mike McDaniel. Like the way that Mike McDaniel, Bill Belichick chooses to answer questions in a way that doesn't give away anything. So does Mike McDaniel. I don't know if you notice that about Mike McDaniel. You know, Bill Belichick will dodge a question by just giving you nothing audibly. Mike McDaniel answers questions, but he does kind of what Mike Leach used to do. Or or Mike Leach still does at Mississippi State. Mike Leach, I, I... was around him a lot at Washington State. He's not going to give you anything football related. But if you ask him a non-football question, Mike Leach will go on and on and on, talk about weddings and pirates and all kinds of stuff. And I I really like it. It's a good approach. Bill Belichick won't give you any information in a post-game press conference. Neither will Mike Leach, but he'll give you an interesting soundbite anyway. It kind of helps the media. Mike McDaniel's not going to give away any information about the football game or about his football team. But he will answer questions in a fun, unique way. I'll talk about Yeezys. I'll talk about shoes. I'll talk about music. I mean, I, I find Mike McDaniel incredibly entertaining. And for media members, like, he's fun to cover because he just gives you interesting and entertaining quotes. Oh, yeah, by the way, his offenses are fun to watch. I just, I find myself, I love Mike McDaniel. I'm rooting for him. And it is interesting that Mike McDaniel left San Francisco. San Francisco doesn't look like a great offense. Miami does, and so was he the unsung hero in San Francisco with the 49ers? Maybe. Uh, I just find myself really rooting for the people in Miami. Tua, Mike McDaniel, Tyree Kill, trying to better his life, going from the cold December winters in Kansas City to Miami, Florida, no state income tax, living on the beach. That's awesome. And uh, I don't know. I just – I'm really rooting for the people in Miami, and uh, what a great start to the year for them, 3-0 and on top of the world – And a game I didn't expect them to win uh, at home against Buffalo. And what an awesome win for them. By the way, that Miami Stadium, it's so cool the way it's set up to, I don't know if you know this, it just essentially bakes the opposing team sideline. I mean, that stadium, whoever designed the new awning there, the home team sits in shade. They're comfortable all game. The away team gets blasted by the sun. And it's a monument. I, I lived in Hawaii. The shade. Versus direct sunlight is a monumental, massive difference, and uh, it takes it out of you. So I love the way the stadium is designed in Miami, and I think one of the advantages they have, I mean, when Green Bay goes on the road week 16 at Miami, it's tough. That's why New England historically struggles late in the year at Miami, because you go from your cold weather climate to the humidity and the heat in December of Miami— it's brutal, and it's unlike—it's uh, kind of a weird advantage. It's also a double-edged sword because Miami's got to go on the road at Buffalo Week 15. Like, that's going to be brutal, too. But um, I don't know. I think it's cool that Tua, a Hawaii kid, can wear Hawaiian shirts in December at his home stadium, and uh, I'm just rooting for Tua and Mike McDaniel. All right. Um, on Monday night football, the Dallas Cowboys beat the New York Giants 23-16, to and— The game, and I would even say really the whole night, was about as bad as it possibly could be for a New York Giants fan. They lost to a division rival, the Dallas Cowboys. They did not start 3-0. The big hullabaloo was, ooh, are the Giants going to start 3-0 for the first time in however many years? They lost to a backup quarterback, Cooper Rush. Shout out to Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush played very, very well for the Cowboys. Um, The Giants' top receiver, Sterling Shepard, got hurt. He tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Sparked a debate, by the way. Should the NFL just have only grass fields? Probably. It seems like there's so many non-contact injuries. Guys are tearing their ACLs left and right. Let's just get rid of the turf. Let's play on grass. It seems like it's better for guys. OBJ was leading the charge uh, after the game on Twitter, and I, I kind of agree with him. And the most unfortunate thing from this football game, other than losing, really, but for me, as an objective third-party who not, I'm not rooting for the Giants. I don't really care. Um, what sucked about this game was there was no way to properly judge the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones, in this game. Uh, The Giants are not only trying to evaluate Daniel Jones, I'm trying to evaluate Daniel Jones. I I love to try to figure out, should he be the guy long-term or not in New York? The Giants are going to reach their own conclusion. I'm going to reach my own conclusion. Maybe they align. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I'm curious. Is Daniel Jones the guy who should be the long-term quarterback in New York. He's, his contract is up after this year. Should they give him a new one? Are they going to keep him? That's what this year is all about for New York, is figuring out how good or not Daniel Jones is. And <laughs> Monday night, the Giants offensive line was so bad that the offense couldn't function at all. It didn't matter who was the quarterback of New York. It could have been Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Could have been me for all I care. Not a single person was going to do well playing quarterback for the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, let alone Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones got sacked five times, was pressured on 24 plays, the most by any quarterback all year so far, the second most in two years. I walked away amazed, actually. Daniel Jones didn't fumble. Well done. Uh, I felt bad for the guy running for his life constantly. Somehow he threw for 196 yards. And actually, it was kind of amazing the Giants only lost by seven points. They actually—it was a tie game early in the fourth quarter. I don't know how that's possible. Like the offensive line was such a hindrance that I—it's I, unfathomable that somehow the game was even close. It was a seven-point game. I don't know how it's possible. And I, I just—it was frustrating because I'm like, man, I'm trying to figure out how good is Daniel Jones, and I—you can't get a read on it. It was a wasted game from an evaluation perspective because. <laughs> Steel line was so bad. It's frustrating, man. And for Giants fans, the bad news would continue, by the way, because the rookie number five overall pick, defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau, finally made his NFL debut. And I'm like, how's he going to do? What's going to happen? He had one tackle. I don't blame the guy. It's his first game. Aiden Hutchinson took a while to heat up for the Detroit Lions. I mean, it takes time, I guess. He's coming off an injury, sure, but. It was a disappointing, quiet start to Kayvon Thibodeau's career as an NFL player. And it's like, oh, man, I was hoping for more. I was hoping for better. Basically, the only good news in this game, if you're a Giants fan, was that their running back, Saquon Barkley, had another good game. 14 carries, 81 yards, had one sweet touchdown. It was like a 36-yard run in the third quarter. And it was probably, if you're a Giants fan, I would imagine you remember that moment because the stadium was rocking. I mean, MetLife Stadium and that moment was on fire. Probably the best moment of the night if you're a Giants fan and probably the only moment where you felt really good uh, all night on Monday against the Cowboys was that small brief moment when Saquon Barkley ran in a long touchdown to give you a 13 to 6 lead. Um, Saquon, by the way, also caught four passes for 45 yards. Like, Saquon Barkley's awesome, but let's recap the bad night it was for Giants fans. All in all... They lost to their division rival, the Dallas Cowboys. Their quarterback got hit a ton, had no chance. Their top receiver, Sterling Shepard, tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Their rookie fifth-round pick in his first-ever NFL game, defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau, made no impact at all on the football game. And I just walked away going, like, yeah, the Cowboys won, sure, like ca- Cooper Rush had another decent game, but the story to me was Monday night, if you're a Giants fan, had to have been just a torturous horrible experience and I I walked away feeling pretty bad for Giants fans by the way it's kind of weird there's a division rivalry between New York and Dallas I mean it it, you know the Cowboys and the Giants I I just it's interesting to me because the cities are nowhere near each other in the NBA the Dallas Mavericks are a western conference basketball team they're in the middle of the country it could go either way, west or east I I don't really care I'm not going to gripe about that but it's funny, in the NFL, they're not in the West. Dallas is not considered in the South, even though I would consider them in the South. Geographically, it's a Southern football team, but <laughs> they're in the NFC East, which it's weird, but I do like it. I will admit, you know, it puts Philadelphia, Dallas, and New York all in the same division. They play each other often. And I think if there were three cities I could work and do local radio in, I, I would never do local radio, by the way. I got the dream job. I drive around. I record in parking lots and enjoy my life a lot. Um, But if I was ever going to do local radio, I'd want to do Dallas, Philly, or New York. Those are the three most passionate football fan bases, in my opinion, there, and maybe Pittsburgh, which is another place in uh, Pennsylvania, Um, you know, Philadelphia and and Pittsburgh, two cities that love football. But I love that division. I just want to point out, it's kind of interesting. You know, the Dallas Mavericks are a Western Conference basketball team, The Dallas Cowboys are in the NFC East. Like, none of it makes that much sense at all. And, I don't know, that's sports for you. It's kind of interesting. But, again, I'm glad. I'm glad you get a rivalry between Philadelphia and Dallas and New York and Dallas. And it makes sports better. A lot of passion for football in all three of those cities. Philadelphia, New York, and Dallas. But kind of a fun, weird thought. Like, how did that rivalry happen? You know, that's the way things shaked out division-wise. But, um, doesn't quite make logical sense geographically, which I, I love maps. I'll get maps all day. All right. Um, I'm still waiting on my canopy, you guys. Like, if you look behind me, if you're watching on YouTube, over my left shoulder, you see the bed of my pickup truck because I'm still waiting on the canopy. Whenever that canopy arrives, I'm going to go on a road trip, like, really far and long, and I can't wait. I want to go to Arizona. I want to go up the California coast. It's going to be getting cold here soon and I want to get out of here. Um, I'm told three more weeks and I'll have the canopy and I can leave on my road trip. And then hopefully the backgrounds behind me get even more interesting other than just green foliage. But uh, we're waiting and waiting and waiting and I am getting more and more irritated with every day. Um, let's talk about this next. Matt Ryan and in Indy just beat Kansas City and I am very surprised by that. Week through is kind of interesting in that Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes all lost. I haven't watched the uh, Jaguars-Chargers game. That'll be interesting. Uh, but Indy beat Kansas City 20-17. to This is a massive, massive win for Indy. I'm very, very excited for them. Uh, Matt Ryan threw a touchdown with 24 seconds left. And honestly, this is a game that I don't know that the former Colts quarterback, Carson Wentz, would have won. Like, I've made a stink about how, oh, good thing you got rid of Carson Wentz. Like, you know, you solved all your problems. You started 0-1-1. Carson Wentz could have done that. But this is a game, this is the first time all year I've fought. You know what? That Matt Ryan move really paid off. I I just don't know that Carson Wentz would have had the patience to hang in that game week three the way that Matt Ryan did. He hung around. He got sacked five times. but. He was, End of the game, 27 for 37 passing, 222 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And I just think that what stood out to me was Matt Ryan's patience. I think Carson Wentz would have got impatient and would have forced things a little bit, probably thrown an ugly interception or two in the fourth quarter or the second half of that game. This was a game that the Matt Ryan move really paid off. Like that, Matt Ryan was patient, did what he needed to. He found... Uh, rookie third round tight end Jelani Woods for two touchdowns, which I've never even heard of that guy. Great for him. Now I'm not trying to diss him. I just like that's dude, Matt Ryan's got nothing really with his receiving core. He's throwing to, you know, Michael Bateman Jr. came back, he made a big impact. But like, what's going on in Indy, man? They just need to figure out a receiving core. But I, I said last week, you know, people were asking, should Indy blow it up? I'm like, no. No, no, no. Just be patient, take your time. Um, and the next four games for the Colts, they play the Titans week four. Then they play at Denver. Uh, then they rematch Jacksonville week six. Then they play the Titans again week seven, this time at Tennessee. October's a massive month for Indy because if they go 4-0 the next four games, then they are would be sitting at 5-1-1, five, 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 one one, which is pretty good. It's I would say they would have recovered and saved their season if they can you know go 4-0 the next four games. And week eight, the Colts will host Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. It's the return of their former quarterback. And I'm really curious, what kind of state will Indy be in for that game? Are they going to be five, one and one? Like, that'd be a big deal. Is it going to be worse? I don't know. But um, this next month of October is going to be season defining for the Indianapolis Colts. It's not over yet. They're one, one and one. Uh, But they got to get going now. Like The Colts had a rough start to the year. An ugly loss, then a tie. So I guess the tie was first, then an ugly loss to Jacksonville, twenty-four nothing. But hey, Matt Ryan is in a new offense. Hey, first two weeks, I can I can handle that. I can say, you know what? He's figuring it out. New football team, new offense. Not a lot of great receiving weapons. Uh, you know they're gonna have to rely on timing and how well they know each other and know the offense, and that just takes time. In my opinion, that excuse is now gone. You beat Kansas City. That's a massive victory. It is time to get rolling for the Colts. And I just, week eight, when Carson Wentz comes to town, what will the record be of the Colts? Are they going to be in good shape or bad shape? I don't know. But I'm really, really interested to see how October goes if you're a Colts fan. Now for Kansas City, um, I think this loss is defined by a couple of key missed opportunities. They ran a fake field goal on the 24-yard line on a 4th and ten. By the way, that would have made the game 20 to 13. They lost 20 to 17. That's a big deal. Um, later Kansas City missed a 34-yard field goal. I mean, that's a difference right there honestly. You you missed two field goal opportunities and <laughs> you you could have won 23 to 20 instead of what it was. Uh, on the Colts' final drive, Kansas City sacked Matt Ryan on 3rd and 7. That would have made it 4th and 15. But Chris Jones got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for something he said to Matt Ryan. I got to say, I hate that. I hate that so much. I I can't imagine what you could possibly say on a football field that would give you a penalty in that moment. You get the game ending sack. You can't talk a little bit of smack. What are we doing? It's just football. I, I understood when you couldn't tackle quarterbacks high or low. I understood when you but now you can't even talk smack to a quarterback like it's getting insane to me the way that quarterbacks are protected and coddled. And I played quarterback. Um, The game is getting softer. And I I think it's probably right. You want to have player safety, all this stuff. But you can't talk smack after you get the game-winning play. I I don't know why there was a penalty in that play. I don't know what was possibly said. But I also can't. I'm a pretty imaginative guy. I'm sorry. I can't imagine a single thing you could say in that moment. To get a penalty and hand the Colts a first down. I thought that was a crazy move by the refs. I didn't like it at all. Go watch old clips of Philip Rivers mic'd up. He's talking so much trash. You can't sack a quarterback and say something to him afterward. I, I, it's bizarre to me and, and really frustrating. And um, It was a terrible penalty that really hurt Kansas City. And I don't have a side here. I don't really care. I just don't think that words you say should be costing people football games. Like That's insane to me. You make the game-winning play, you can't get in the guy's face a little bit and go, yeah, what's up, mother— a-? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why can't you do that? I don't know why. It's, it's really frustrating to me. And that being said, Kansas City still had a chance at the end of the game. They had two timeouts left. They had the ball at the 46-yard line. They really needed one completion, and they were in field goal range. And Mahomes um, got picked off. You know, Stefan Gilmore tipped it up in the air, got picked off. I don't know. Like, uh, felt like little details cost the, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Tough loss. Um that penalty, though, for something he said to Matt Ryan, really? We're, we're there in the football world. I, I I got it when you couldn't tackle the guy. You're worried about their knees, worry about their head. I don't know how you hit a quarterback, by the way, in 2022. It's impossible. Like, it, you just, you breathe on them wrong, you get a penalty, and now you can't even talk smack to a quarterback. Like, that really irritated me just as an impartial person. Just going, like, what are we doing, guys? Really? Um... Tough loss for Kansas City, man. They're supposed to play at Tampa next week. Game is kind of up in the air because of Hurricane Ian. Apparently, uh, the Buccaneers have evacuated Tampa. They're not practicing there, so we're going to see what happens. But I, I don't know. If, if you don't play the game in Tampa, do you go to Kansas City instead? Do you get an extra home game? I don't know. But uh, maybe they play at a neutral third, you know, a neutral, what's the, not a neutral third party, a, uh, a neutral site, I guess is what I'm looking for. Play it like. I don't know Jacksonville or something I have no idea but um, I don't know I I don't think it's right to give Casey an extra home game if you know it's supposed to be a home game for Tampa you can't hand an extra you can't hand the home field advantage to Kansas City in that moment but it's weird I we'll see what happens with the hurricane in Kansas City and Tampa next week but it should be a good game I'm really interested and uh, an unfortunate loss for Kansas City I don't know why they're going for a fake field goal on 4th and 10 from the 24-yard line. You're making your life difficult. Kick the field goal. Take the easy points. That would have tied the game 20-20 in the end instead of, you know, the Colts winning 20-17. to And then the missed field goal really hurt. The penalty was bad. Again, little details really cost Kansas City in this game against Indy. Are right, we got to talk about Sunday Night Football. I don't want to say too much. It was an ugly, weird game. Denver beat the 49ers 11-10. to it's like a Little League baseball score. Russell Wilson didn't play great. He was 20 for 33 passing, no touchdowns, no picks, 184 yards. Um, Denver got a touchdown to take the lead with four minutes left. Good for them. But, you know, I, the 49ers got the ball twice with the final... In the final four minutes, the 49ers had two possessions. Both times they had time to put together a drive. They had a fumble. Jimmy G threw an interception. Um... It was an ugly game, but Denver's 2-1. and one. The 49ers are 1-2. I don't know. I, I feel like I had to talk about it, but what a boring, disgusting game. Like, I just did not enjoy that one. I was like, ugh, it's a slog fest. I want to watch fun. Like, you know what's a fun game? K-State against Oklahoma. Awesome football game. High-level quarterback play, touchdowns everywhere. I'm sorry. Watching Jimmy G struggle to lose 10-11, stepping out of the back of the end zone, giving up a safety like that, that's not fun to me know what's happening with Russell Wilson and the Colts. They look are in the Denver Broncos, excuse me. The Broncos look really bad. I I had higher hopes. They're not a playoff team. I I really, I really believe that ah, man, the Raiders are 0-3. I'm watching that game tonight, so we'll see. But ah I think Denver's the worst team in that division, the AFC West. But um yeah, it's all bad. I just that Denver disappointing is all get out right now. It's just like so awful. That's a game they should win by a lot more than that. And it's just not looking pretty for a Denver Broncos fan. I feel kind of bad for you guys. All right. um, Minnesota beat Detroit during NFL week three. The Vikings won 28 to 24. And we got to start by giving a round of applause to Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. How about some credit? Detroit led to start the fourth quarter, 24 to 14. Dalvin Cook, their running back in Minnesota, left the game with a shoulder injury. So you don't have your running back. You're down 10 points in the fourth quarter. And Kirk Cousins delivered, man. He led two fourth quarter touchdown drives through a game-winning touchdown pass to KJ Osborne, 28 yards, 45 seconds left in the game. That's awesome, man. I love that. Now, more than I love that, I'd love to see Kirk Cousins have a performance like that. Maybe... On Monday Night Football? Huh? Huh? Maybe against a team not named the Detroit Lions? That'd be kind of interesting. How about a a big important game? (laughs) You know? I I don't know. I still maintain the criticism that Kirk Cousins just can't handle primetime or really big important moments. But progress was made during NFL Week 3. He had a fourth quarter comeback. An awesome victory. I think some uh, props are deserved if you're Kirk Cousins. And hey... Well done, my man. Kirk Cousins delivered. Minnesota's two and one. Good for them. I'll take it. I'll take the win. Hey, Kirk, great job. Great job, my man. Love that. Now, uh, the Detroit Lions are one and two. That's tough. It's a tough one because these Detroit Lions are so much fun to watch. Like, I've watched every game they've played this year. It's been awesome. They fight really hard. Both losses have been really close. Um, it, It sucked they couldn't score in the fourth quarter. I don't like that. Here are the fourth quarter possessions for Detroit during week three. They had a punt. Technically, they had two punts because they started the first play of the fourth quarter with a punt, but that's not really a fourth quarter possession in my mind. So they punted. They had a turnover on downs on a fourth and one on the 30-yard line. They went for it instead of kicking a field goal. Would have been a 47-yard field goal. Um, So that's points they missed out on, in my opinion. They then missed a field goal on the very next drive. So they missed two field goals on the day. I'm not sure. I, I think they don't trust their kicker too much. You know, they missed two field goals. It's probably part of why they went for it on fourth and one from the 30-yard line. Um, they also had the ball at midfield with 17 seconds left, and Jared Goff is getting hit easy through. Threw it up for grabs. You know, threw a deep ball trying to make a, a last-second heave. Got picked off. I don't know. It sucks. I, uh, it's a tough loss, but I got to say that I'm really enjoying the Detroit Lions this year. And I, I don't know that they're going to win a lot. This year, but they are really putting out a good product. I mean, if you're a Lions fan, I I feel bad for you guys because you're losing. You're one and two. But progress is being made in Detroit. I mean, that team is a much better team than we've seen in years past. And I'm praying, I'm desperately praying that they just maintain belief and confidence in their head coach, Dan Campbell. He is changing things. I believe that. Uh, once upon a time, they fired Jim Caldwell when he was making progress. I hope they don't repeat that same uh, inevitability here. I I would, inevitability is the wrong way to put that. I hope they don't have the same turn of events where they fire a coach who I believe is making progress. Um, you know, I I thought that it was cool. Detroit went for it on fourth down six times. They were four for six. Um, that's awesome. Punt less. I like that. If it's fourth and manageable, I want to see Detroit go for it. I want Detroit to make you have to stop them. This is a new thing. Week three was a different kind of change of pace for them where they were going for it basically as much as they could on fourth down. Make the defense stop you. Defenses hate that, by the way. It wears them out. It's demoralizing. You keep getting fourth down conversions. Um, So I hope Detroit keeps going for it on fourth down. I don't think it's a sign of desperation. I think it's a sign of competitiveness. Like, we are going to make it tough on our opponent, and I want to see more of that. By the way... Jared Goff is playing outstanding football. I I know that's not popular to say. People hate on Jared Goff a lot. He gets compared to, like, Jimmy Garoppolo. I've done that myself. There's this one throw in particular that's stuck in my head where I believe it's a play-action pass over the middle. Beautiful window to Josh Reynolds in the third quarter. Like, great throw over the middle. Um, Also worth noting for Detroit, Jamal Williams is given a stupid penalty for thrusting his hips. It didn't really impact stuff very much, but... um, I guess during a touchdown celebration dance, you can't thrust your hips at all. You can't see my hips, but I'm doing it. Um, It's just stupid. I thought the NFL allowed you to celebrate. It's not college football. Like, why? Is that really that offensive? Hide your kids. Hide your wives. Jamal Jamal Williams is out there thrusting his hips after a touchdown. Can't handle it. Weird penalties this weekend. I thought the penalty on um, Chris Jones for... Talking trash to Matt Ryan, that was absolute nonsense. And the penalty on Jamal Williams. Nonsense. Let the guy celebrate a touchdown. What are we doing here? It's entertainment. It's football. Ah, oh, I, I don't feel like I'm an old school guy, right? But I'm starting to feel like one of those old heads. It's like, where is the tough side of football? But like, you can't thrust your hips. You can't talk smack. It's getting weird to me. A little bit, Yennevel's getting a little bit lost in the sauce, in my opinion. Again, Detroit—they're one and two. Um, they're scoring points, though, man. Like they scored thirty-five points week one, and they lost to Philadelphia. That's brutal. Um, you scored thirty-six points week two, you win. Twenty-four points week three, you lose. I mean, the Lions have the second most points scored of any team so far. They, you know that the Ravens have scored ninety-nine points. Detroit scored ninety-five points, second most of any football team. When you consider that fact that they're scoring at the second highest rate of any football team in the NFL right now, I find it hard to blame their quarterback, Jared Goff. Like, Jared Goff gets a lot of hate. He's playing at a high level right now. He's scoring a lot of points. He's doing well. Um, And I I just... Oh, man, I don't want to see Detroit, like, go, I don't know, 7 and 10 or something. Like, I just... They're better than that. They really are. The Lions are a tough football team, and I... I want to see them do well. I, I I want Dan Campbell to not only not get fired, but I want his players to continue to believe in him because I really do think things are changing in Detroit. It's a team that both their losses are by one score. I mean, they are fighting really hard, going for it on fourth down, risk it for the biscuit. I love it, and I I want to see. Um, I, I just I'm I'm hoping that the play style. The coaching, what's going on in Detroit, I hope it leads to victories because I really find myself rooting for the people there. They're playing at a high level and, oh man, I want to see, I want to see Detroit win. I really do. I, I hope that Dan Campbell doesn't get fired. I'd be so heartbroken if that happened. I like him. I think he's doing things right. They're building a good culture there. Amon Rossi and Brown awesome. they're drafting well. They're getting Jamison Williams back eventually. Like, I just, I really hope that, uh, I, I just, ah, oh man. I want to see Detroit do well. I want to see Detroit win. And it's frustrating and kind of disappointing that it's, it's not led to victories so far. But um, I guess the takeaways from this game, Kirk Cousins, fourth quarter comeback, touchdown at the end of the game, like Kirk delivered. Shout out to that. And this Detroit Lions team is not the Lions of past, man. They're not rolling over. They're fighting really hard. And I think with enough patience, eventually this can lead to victories, honestly, in Detroit, because this team is a lot better than their one and two record would show. All right, uh, let's talk about college football week four. The two best games of the weekend were Clemson at Wake Forest and Oregon at Washington State. There are two quarterbacks this weekend that jumped on my radar like never before. Uh, number one, Clemson beat Wake Forest 51-45 to in double overtime. Game was at Wake Forest, by the way. Story of the game, unequivocally in my opinion, is DJ Uwe Ungele, the Clemson quarterback, had the best game of his career in college football so far. I absolutely loved it. I have been skeptical. I've been critical. I have not been a believer in DJU, DJ Uyungle. My fear going into this game was that DJ was going to be a limiting factor, that he would hold his team back. That was not the case. DJ went off. He had five touchdown passes, ton of big-time throws, zero turnovers. He is the reason why Clemson won this game against Wake Forest. And Look, DJ was a big-time recruit. They went from Trevor Lawrence to DJ. He was supposed to be the next big guy. Last year, he kind of flopped. Wasn't that impressive at all. This year, this game, the first time at Wake Forest on the road, this is the first time I've seen DJ during his career where I thought, hey, that's the guy I expected him to be. That's a guy who looks like a potential NFL quarterback. I thought he played at a really high level. He delivered, man. DJ is why they won this football game. Like You, you can't win that game without the performance DJ had. And, I mean, on the road, in a big game, well done. And there are tough games ahead for Clemson. They play at Florida State. They play at Notre Dame. They play Louisville and Malik Cunningham. They play South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. That's an SEC program. They're probably going to play Pittsburgh in the ACC title game. But if DJ plays at a high level in those football games, like he did against Wake Forest, then Clemson probably wins. And so um, I thought this was a... I would even say defining moment so far of DJ Uyungle's career. And the first time really I've gone, you know what? That dog will hunt. I really walked away impressed with DJ and really happy for him. And I want to see more of that from him. I want to see him play at a high level. And if he does that, he's not only going to take Clemson to where, um, you know, they, they could be again, which is a college football playoff spot. But also um, if DJ plays like that, he's an NFL quarterback. Like he looks the part. He's a massive dude. He's got a strong arm, and uh, I've really, you know, I've I've been critical of him. I have, but he put in a lot of work this offseason. I think he evaluated himself and said, "I got to be better." And I think the threat of Cade Clubnik coming in to maybe take his job was enough for DJU to go. I gotta, I gotta make some changes. I gotta get going. And uh, it, he really did against Wake Forest. Well done for DJU Angale, proving me wrong. I really was like, I don't know that he can win this football game, and uh, he did. He's the reason why they won. Well done, DJ. Wake Forest, man. They couldn't quite get Clemson, though. I want to point out, this is a key detail that might get missed for Wake Forest. Wake Forest chose overtime. They had the ball fourth and five, 39 seconds left. Ball was just past midfield on Clemson's 48-yard line. And uh, Wake Forest decided to punt the ball away. They accepted overtime. It felt very passive to me. I wish they'd gone for it. I think if you go for it and lose, you say, hey, we went down swinging. I don't know why you chance it in overtime. I don't know why you're saying, like, let's play for overtime. Felt wrong to me. You have the ball. You're at midfield, fourth and five. You can't get five yards. You got Sam Hartman. You got a veteran quarterback. You have this awesome offense. You're... Scoring all game, I, I felt wrong to me. I, re, I really think Wake Forest made the wrong move. They opted to go to overtime and made kind of a passive move at the end of regulation rather than going for it on fourth and five at midfield to try to get in field goal range or score a touchdown. I just didn't like that. I just ah, left a bad taste in my mouth. Okay, good luck in overtime. You lost. You could have at least tried to win in regulation. They didn't. They punted it away on fourth and five. Didn't like that move at all. Um, now shout out to Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney gets a lot of hate. I know a lot of people in my life that don't like Clemson's coach Dabo Sweeney. I think he's kind of cocky and kind of a loud mouth. Um, I thought he showed a lot of humility in beating Wake Forest. He was very, very complimentary of their football program and their head coach. And was like, they're the champs, man. They won the conference. And I, uh, I, I just, I thought that was awesome. Well done by, uh. I, I don't know. I just, uh, I walked away. I don't I don't think I actually did win the conference that last year. I thought Pittsburgh won the conference. Am I crazy? Dabble said that, but I don't know that he's right about that, which is crazy that that might even be real. But he got to the, you know, Wake Forest and Pitt played in the title game, not Clemson. So maybe that's what he's referring to. I don't know. But the way he was respectfully talking about, you know, Wake Forest after this football game, I, I really liked that. I thought that was awesome. And uh, classy move by Dabble Sweeney. All right, uh, Oregon at Washington State was an absolutely incredible football game. Came down to the very end. Oregon came back and won. Washington Washington State was up 34 to 22 with six minutes and 42 seconds left in the game. Oregon ended up winning in regulation 44 to 41. Oregon put up 29 points in the fourth quarter. That's unbelievable. Um, there was a tough play at the end of the fourth quarter where Washington State threw a pick six on a screen pass. It's a good defensive play. I don't know. Like, theoretically, if you see that defender ready to jump the screen to throw it in the dirt or something, but it's a, it's a tough one. You're kind of... Uh, it's a it's a great play. It gave Oregon the lead. They won the game. Um, huge win for Oregon, man. On the road at Pullman, Washington. 29 points in the fourth quarter. Great win for Dan Lanning. I'm really happy for him. That's awesome. But the takeaway, though? Bo Nix is an awesome quarterback for Oregon, man. I'm excited for him. I think he's got... I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback, really. He's more like Jarrett Stidham, maybe a guy who's going to be a third round pick and probably plays a backup for a lot of his NFL career. Um, but this game, Bo Nix got outshined by a new star quarterback who grabbed my attention. And I was really introduced to in this game between Oregon and Washington state. It's Washington state's quarterback, Cameron Ward. Oh my goodness. This kid is unreal. Cameron Ward, super talented. Um, He's talented enough that if things go right, Cameron Ward literally could win a Heisman Trophy. Like, he's that physically gifted. Dude can run. He extend, extends plays at a crazy high level. He's got a great arm. He's only a sophomore somehow. I didn't realize this. I, Cameron Ward, I knew he transferred in from, like, this FCS program. I used to go to Washington State. So I'm like, ah, like, Washington State quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew's the best guy they've had in a long time. But, like, uh, yeah. Jared Garantano, you know, transferred in from Tennessee at one point. Didn't even play. So I was like— A transfer quarterback from an FCS program, never heard of him. Like, "Ah, who cares? I'm not going to really pay attention. And I thought he was a senior for some reason. Well, boy, was I wrong. Cameron Ward is only a sophomore, transferred in from Incarnate Word, which is a, (laughs) it's an FCS program. Eric Morris was a head coach last year at Incarnate Word University College in San Antonio. He came to be the offensive coordinator at Washington State. He brought along his quarterback, Cameron Ward, with him. Dude, Cam Ward, future NFL quarterback. Like, I'm not just saying that. I I, I try to be very honest and open, and I, I walked away like, this is one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football. Oh, my gosh. What the heck? It's now Bryce Young, uh, Spencer Rattler, <laughs> Caleb Williams, and this kid, man. This guy, Cameron Ward is one of the guys who I'm like, him, Quinn Ewers, like one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football. Just incredible ability to throw the football. Another guy. Anthony Richardson's another talented quarterback in college football, but he's got a lot of progress to make. Cameron Ward looks great. Like, is a he grew up in a small town, West Columbia, Texas. Small little college, you know, high school football team. They were in a wing T offense in high school, barely through the football. And it's crazy how he had no Division I FBS college football offers. Him, Josh Allen, like how are Aaron Rodgers went to Butte College because he didn't Aaron Rodgers said it by community college football because he had no division one offer. It's like, do you realize that? It's insane to me how these incredible quarterbacks get totally overlooked by college football recruiting. I don't know what's happening in college football recruiting. I watch some of the guys that play on Saturdays and I'm like, how, how, how is that guy getting a scholarship to Notre Dame to Texas? What, what the what's going on here? I don't I don't understand. I don't know what's happening in college football recruiting. I don't know how guys like Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Cameron Ward are getting overlooked, but Cameron Ward, can't believe he's a sophomore. Like, doesn't look like a sophomore. He's so good at extending plays. He had him a home-esque level play on third and 23. I thought he threw a touchdown. It was downed at the one-yard line, but, you know, with him, he's so good at extending plays that it doesn't really matter if you're third and 23. He'll throw for a first down. I mean, he's a stud quarterback. Cameron Ward learned the name. Washington state kid. And, uh, what an impressive, impressive young quarterback blew my mind. Wow. Can't believe how good he is. Okay. Uh, Tennessee beat Florida 38 to 33. I mean, the, the quarterbacks are the story of this game, Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson, Tennessee's quarterback, Hendon Hooker played a better game. It was clean, efficient, executed at a high level. You know, both quarterbacks are their team's leading rusher. I might've said that already. I can't remember. Funny how that happens. Um, So Tennessee won. Their quarterback was better. Yeah. Um, But Florida has this immensely gifted quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He's still developing. And sometimes he's still kind of a mess. Like, let's be clear about that. But I encourage you, go watch some of the days of Justin Herbert at Oregon. Where Herbert's got a guy wide open and he throws it in the dirt on like a five-yard hitch. And you're like, what? What? How did that happen? Or, Or Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech was... He might have got Cliff Kingsbury fired. I mean, like uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Patrick Mahomes was doing all kinds of crazy stuff in college football. It was kind of a mess. It took a while for him to get better. And he had to sit for a year in the NFL before he's ready to play. But Anthony Richardson at Florida, if or when he figures that out, he is going to dominate everybody. Against Tennessee, Anthony Richardson was 24 for 44 passing. That's not great. 20 incompletions two touchdown throws, one interception and a fumble. He also ran the ball 62 times for two touchdowns through for 453 yards. He had a throw on a corner out that I was like with touch by the way. And that's what been one of the criticisms of the year so far is that I feel like Anthony Richardson threw every ball on a rope as fast as he possibly could. I saw some progress this week. He took some off. There were a, a ball with a lot of touch on a corner route. I don't know, man. Uh, Again, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, they all made a lot of mistakes in college football. But Anthony Richardson, all he has to do is get a little bit better every single game. I think he's doing that. And he can figure it out, man. Anthony Richardson is a potential NFL superstar. Like, he is so physically gifted. He looks different when you watch him. And uh, he's not there yet. They're still losing games, but... He's got time to figure it out, and if he does, Florida could win a national title. I mean, Florida could have Cam Newton or Joe Burrow or something. Like, he could be, he really could elevate them that way. And uh, keep your eye on Anthony Richardson. He's a work in progress, but he is getting steadily better every week I watch him. And, man, am I excited about his future. Texas a and beat Arkansas 23-21. to 21. Uh, The story to me was that Arkansas's mistakes really cost him. Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson, for some reason, had a fumble on first and goal where here's what I say for some reason. For some reason, he tried to dive over the line of scrimmage, the offensive lineman, the defensive lineman from the three-yard line. That's kind of like trying to dunk, jumping from the three-point line. What are you doing? He fumbled. Texan took that for a 97-yard touchdown. The return man handed it to a teammate. Chappelle handed it to Richardson. I have in my notes. Ran it for a touchdown crazy touchdown if you haven't seen it go look up the highlights on YouTube um there's only one turnover in this game by the way wild that that is what happened in the one turnover uh it, later Arkansas had a bad snap on second and five they were on the 16yard line end of the fourth quarter they lost a ton of yards that made their game winning field goal attempt even longer they missed their 52 they' sorry their 42yard field goal to go ahead and win the game they missed it um bounced off the uprights that's pretty unfortunate but Arkansas's mistakes, they cost them, man. And now Texas a they're 2-0. Uh, Max Johnson as their starting quarterback is, sorry, when I said they're 2-0, they're 2-0 with Max Johnson as their starting quarterback. Got ahead of myself there. Seems like that change was the right change. Um, and I walked away. My weird takeaway from Texas a m is that they got this running back with a really cool name. Devon A-Chain. His last name really is A-Chain. I wish my name was A-Chain. Imagine Zach A-Chain. The swagger and confidence I would have instead of the name Shomler, dude. I wish I was Zach A. Chain. That'd be so cool. I'd wear a chain, have an A on it. I'd, be, I'd rock that name. Anyway, Devon A. Chain, 19 carries, 159 yards, and a touchdown run. Awesome for him. But I, I love the name, man. I walked away going like that kid. That's a cool name. You could market that. And uh, great win for NM all around. Now USC barely beat Oregon State. Game was in Corvallis at Oregon State. The crowd at Oregon State. Well done to you guys. You were loud. It was fun. Um, USC barely won. They needed a last-second touchdown with about a minute left to win the football game. Did not expect it to be that close. And, and frankly, Oregon State's quarterback, I already forgot his name, threw four interceptions, uh, really hurt his football team. Like that, man, You got that guy, he's sitting at home right now going like, we could have beat USC, but I had to turn over the ball four times. Ugh. Who knows? He might have had fumbles too. I didn't, ugh, I don't know. Um, now I've said um USC has a shot to run the table and make the college football playoff. Then they, you know, they're gonna get destroyed by Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama if they do make it in fact to the college football playoff. Like USC's not gonna make a playoff run or anything. But they might make it in. Um and I, I've said that USC is a pac 12's best hope at making the playoff. And I still believe that wholeheartedly. And I will say, you know, I've said this before, too. All great teams get one bad game. Alabama almost lost to Texas, but they didn't. You got to find a way to survive your bad game. USC survived their bad game against Oregon State on the road in a tough environment. So I don't know. I walked away going, yeah, my opinion hasn't changed on USC. They're the lone team in the Pac-12 that could make the college football play. if If they can run the table and dominate the rest of their opponents, they have a shot. They're the number six ranked team in the nation right now. And they could leapfrog other teams as Michigan maybe loses, as if Clemson loses, if Alabama plays Georgia in the SEC title game. You know, there's still wiggle room here where USC still has a shot at the college football playoff, but they have to remain undefeated. But I don't think a, a near loss at Oregon State is going to be the end-all be-all that's going to cost them a year. What would cost them is a loss. They haven't lost. They're okay. But they can't have another bad game like that. They survived the one bad game I allowed them. Every team gets one bad game. USC survived it. They can't get another one. All right, uh, Miami lost to Middle Tennessee 41 to 35. Sorry, 45 to 31. Miami, Middle Tennessee. Ugh, oh my gosh. I believe they're in Chattanooga. Uh, is that right? I don't even know. I don't, I don't know where Middle Tennessee University is, but not good. It, now, it's not shocking. If you're a guy, I watched Miami and Texas A&M week three. Texas A&M was severely outmatched. I was not, sorry, Miami. I'm, I'm getting all tripped up. Miami was severely outmatched against Texas A&M. They did not look very good. So it's not a shock that they, they lost a bad game after watching week three, but terrible loss for Miami. They were ranked. They're not going to be ranked next week. Texas Tech beat Texas. Got to say this, guys. Without their quarterback, Quinn Ewers, I find Texas unwatchable. I don't care. He's been out hurt. I just want Quinn Ewers back. If King, Quinn Ewers comes back, I'm going to watch Texas again. Until then, I'm out. I'm done. Oklahoma lost to K-State. This is a game, if you want a game, to, if you're like bored on your lunch break and you want to watch some fun football, look up K-State against Oklahoma College Football Week 4. What a fun game. Oh my goodness, guys. K-State was unranked. Oklahoma was the number six team in the nation. Oklahoma lost 41-34. to K-State's quarterback is Adrian Martinez, the former Nebraska quarterback. He had five touchdowns. He threw one. He ran for four touchdowns. He ran for 148 yards rushing. That is wild. I'm telling you. And by the way, uh, Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback, played a great game too. If you want a fun game to watch on YouTube, look up Oklahoma K-State. You will not be disappointed. That's a fun game to watch, even just the highlights on YouTube. Michigan barely survived Maryland. Mar- um, Michigan beat Maryland 34-27. to Shout out to Blake Corum, their running back. 30 carries, 243 yards. He ran for more yards than their Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, threw. J.J. McCarthy threw for 220 yards. Blake Corum ran for 243 and two touchdowns. Wow. Kansas football, shout out to them. Kansas is 4-0. I know you thought the Kansas Jayhawks were a basketball school, but uh, their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, is really fun to watch. He had four touchdown passes and four incompletions. How about that? He had five touchdowns on the day. He had more touchdowns than incomplete passes because he also ran for a touchdown. Kansas beat Duke 35-27. to The stadium was packed. The crowd was into it. Things are changing, I hope, at Kansas football. But a 4-0 start. They beat some good teams. They beat Houston, beat West Virginia. Now they beat Duke. Not awful wins, so I'm excited there. Finally, to end the show today, uh, Appalachian State lost to James Madison 32-28. Appalachian State's had a wild year, man. <laughs> they barely lose to A&M. They upset, whatever the heck. they. Every game has been within four points for Appalachian State, and uh, they lost a close one to James Madison. Probably last time all year we'll talk about App State, but what an interesting week, and college football week four is really fun. Now, here are the rankings now uh, in college football. Oklahoma's dropped from number six to number 18 after losing to K-State. K-State is not ranked. I believe they're the number 25 team in the nation. Good for them. Here are the top six, though, in college football. All six are undefeated. Georgia is number one. Alabama's number two. Ohio State's number three. Michigan is number four. Number five team in the nation is Clemson. Number six team in the nation is USC. Kentucky and Tennessee are number seven and number eight, respectively. Uh, both teams are undefeated as well. However, uh, both will play Georgia later this year. In fact, Tennessee will play Georgia and Alabama. So I do not expect Kentucky or Tennessee to run the table But there are six teams right now that have a shot at the college football playoff. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, and USC. I would write Michigan off, but we'll see. I'm really excited. I hope they have a great matchup that can challenge Ohio State. They got the right quarterback playing. They got J.J. McCarthy. He's awesome. Clemson, they got some tough games. But DJ DJ Ui Ungle has to keep playing at a high level. He did against Wake Forest. If he can keep doing that, Clemson could make it back to the college football playoff. DJ gained my respect this weekend. Uh, USC, close loss to Oregon State. They can't do that again, but they remain undefeated. And if they dominate the Pac-12, which that's really all the Pac-12 is needed for a while. like They just can never get a team to go undefeated in their conference because every year they beat each other up. If USC can go undefeated, I believe, they will make it into the college football playoff. Oh, yeah, by the way, if you want a fun quarterback to look up, look up Cameron Ward, the quarterback at Washington State. That dude, oh- my goodness, what a quarterback! So much fun to watch, playing really well. Kid came out of Incarnate Word. Have you heard of Incarnate Word? I hadn't even heard of them. I believe that they're a college. They're in San Antonio. I read it online. What? He's it's He's an NFL quarterback. How is he hiding? How is that possible? Look up Cameron Ward. Uh, highlight of the weekend for me, watching Cameron Ward. Almost beat Oregon, playing really at a high level. That's an NFL quarterback right there at Washington State. He's only a sophomore. Wow. Go watch him. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. That is episode 507 of Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. It is hot. It's hotter than I thought it would be. It's, uh, it's Tuesday afternoon. I'm going to put this out. I love you. I appreciate you. hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum-bam. Oh, by the way, you guys, Miami's 3-0. Miami's 3-0. The Eagles are 3-0. The only two 3-0 football teams in the NFL right now. My boy Jalen Hurts and my boy Tua Tagovailoa. Are you kidding me? I'm so excited about that. I can't believe that. I'm, I'm surprised and pumped. I'm so excited about that. I love it. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, bam, we are.